This is Banging on the Drum. It is another beautiful day in West Central Wisconsin, and this is Season 2, Episode 7 of Banging on the Drum. Thank you guys for all tuning into the show. I am your host here, P Dog. Uh, joined with my co-host here, M Dog. How you doing, M Dog? Doing great, Pat. How you been this week? Oh, I have been great. I think I'll just roll right into it. I'll do my overs and unders right off the bat. Just to get into my week, because my my week was an over for sure. So I was back in, I wasn't in West Central Wisconsin, so, but I did make it to Southeastern Wisconsin um, for one of my best friend's weddings. And it was just a real good time. So got to see people I hadn't seen in a long time, got hammered, told everybody how much I loved them. Um, all, all good stuff that I like to do. Uh, like all my friends, um, family, well, their family, my, uh, my mom was there. So <clears throat> I've seen her pretty recently, but it was nice uh, seeing her two times in a short span. And then, of course, like all my best friends uh, were in the wedding as well. So got to see them and a lot of their family got to make it. So just got to see lots of people uh, and people I haven't seen in probably five years, like things I'd never thought would happen in my life uh, going five years without seeing some of these people. So great, great, great week. Yeah, that's a, that is a really good week. That sounds kind of similar to mine a couple of weeks ago where like I'm running into people that we hadn't run into and, you know, a really long time and having like those kind of days is really, that's, it's fun. Especially if you can get a little booze boozed up during that time too. Oh yeah. And you can't beat weddings. Like I I've always loved weddings. I have missed more than I would have liked to, but yeah, it's, it always sucks when you have to miss one. So I was, I was super happy because it was a little bit on the fence whether I was going to make it to this one with the the hurricane and maybe being called uh, to state active duty orders, but they held out on me and it was good to go. And I broke our golden rule. Usually I tell Mike to start with his under and then go to his over, leave on uh, good news, but, <clears throat> but I'll go to my under here anyways. So over great, great wedding. Fun stuff. Uh, congratulations, Kevin. And yeah, awesome wedding. Loved it. Had a great time. Um, and then on the under is kind of the opposite of this, but I, I'm happy for this. So my brother-in-law um, is heading back to Brazil. So he'd been living with us, getting the feel of America, uh, getting ready to move here eventually, just kind of laying down the foundation. But his time here for now has came to an end. So he's heading back to Brazil. Uh, but it's good for him because he gets to go home and see all of his family. I know he was excited to leave. So bittersweet under right there. So my brother-in-law will not be hanging around with us for a while now. 
Yeah, it'll be like it's always good to go back home, right? Yeah, no, I know he's so happy. Like, uh, I mean, he made a friend or two here and whatever. It's cool hanging out with your brother in law for so long, especially when he's cool as me. But, um, <laughs> I'm sure he was he was ready to go home to, uh, to his wife and his best friends. And he lives in the capital of Brazil, so it's not like he's going back to like a bad time. Like he, it, I'm, I think yeah. he likes bigger cities too. And like to him, I feel like he thinks Tallahassee is a pretty small city. Like where we, where you and I growing up would have been like, what you live in? Uh, I don't know. We would probably thought it was like New York. Yeah. Like, so, I mean, I think it's really funny that we think lacrosse is kind of a big city and I definitely did my entire life growing up. And now I look at lacrosse and I'm like, that's actually really a small town. That's what it is. Yeah. No, I remember I I used to be scared to drive in lacrosse when I first got my license, like until I was in college, I was, I was like, no, there's a one way street there. Like that, that's aggressive. Like, what if I go the wrong way down the one way street? I definitely did go to the wrong way down that one way street in, uh, when I was in high school yet. Yeah. No, I think like, I think like what, I don't know. What is it? Third that, yeah, it's like the main, it, the main, the main. Yeah, one of those main, one of those main two. I went down the wrong way too. It wasn't like I went down like one side street. That's a one way, the wrong way. Like yeah. it was the main one. Like just You're like, why are the cars? Why are the cars all parked on the facing me on this road? Yeah, it was it was not good. It was not good. But I made it through. Live no no accident. Nothing like that. It probably happens enough that. You know, people are just like, what a moron, but, and yeah. then they move on. You got to be careful at what time you do it on that street though, because <laughs> that's the party, party central. You don't want to be adding extra fuel to the fire down there. But anyways, yeah. I think it was like early in the morning when I did it, but I can't remember. So no, so you were fine. There's no one leaving the bars at that. Well, maybe, but, um, <laughs> But yeah, that's all I got for the week. So how was your week? What are your overs and unders for this week? So, so pretty good. I was feeling good about, uh, so my mom calls me kind of out of the blue on Thursday and just says like one of her friends has tickets to the Badger game if I want them. So I, I intend to like, you know, buy the tickets off uh, my mom's friend and go down to the game on on Saturday. So I'm pretty excited to go down to the game and, uh, she ended up giving them to us. So I'll, I'll have to figure some stuff out here moving forward, like how to pay her back a little bit, but, um, I crossed off the thing and like scribbled on it as like as hard as she could. So I couldn't see the, like the cost to them. I'm sure I could look it up. I did not do that, but I'm going to, I got a few plans to, um, like just kind of say thank you. So my wife's been making these sugar cookies that, um, she decorates and everything like that. So we're going to give her some of those. And then um, we sent like a, a gift card to her already. And then uh, my brother-in-law runs that softball game, the um, battle for Wisconsin. And so if they run that again this year, I think I'm going to get her tickets for that. She's obviously a 
Badger football fan. I assume she's a Badger basketball fan as well. So she'll enjoy an event like that. And so I'll just buy tickets to that, give those to her. Um, and then I finished. So we got to go to the game for free, had a pretty good time down in Madison. And then I finished uh, texturing my bathroom, uh, finished like all the drywall in there. So now all I have to do is paint it. So I'm pretty excited that that is mostly done. And then for my under, um, I left the Badger game early because of how poorly they were doing, which really kind of hurt me right down in my soul, right? That's something I hate to do. Um, my wife's family kind of is are those people that are willing to leave games early. And I'm like, I've always just been like, that hurts for me to walk out of a game. And uh, at the Badger game, that's exactly what I did, mostly because I didn't want to watch what was happening at the end of that game. What quarter and then, did you? Uh, what quarter did you? Uh, we we left it. We left in the fourth quarter. There was only like five or six minutes left, but it was it, it was a re, like it was rough. Like and right up until probably eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, I thought they still have a chance. Like there's still like some miracle could happen. And then on top of that, the last two games for sure that I went to watch the Badgers, they've lost. So um, I went to watch them uh, down in Houston. And they had a, a decent lead. I can't remember exactly how it was going, uh, but they had a decent lead. And then second half just kind of got rolled. And then this last game, Illinois beat them, which is, I think, kind of inexcusable. And that's the way the the school's looking at it as well. So with oh. that being said, with that being said, um, we're going to welcome in our Badger expert. Andrew Keel to kind of break down um, what happened over the weekend with Paul Christ and uh, the Badger team in general. Andy, how's it going? Hey guys, how's it going? Perfect timing, man. You jumped in. I was like, we're going to have a smooth transition into this one. So yeah, we're, we're, we're glad to have you on. We're glad to get your opinion on what what happened this year, um, maybe help us break down this Illinois game, what you thought happened, and yeah, and then obviously the the firing of Paul Chris here. Yeah, so we can jump into the, the big question right away, and uh, what are your thoughts on the Paul Chris firing? Um, my first initial thought is I was shocked. Um I couldn't believe uh, that we made the in-season in decision to, to let him go. I thought that um, that was kind of a surprise move. I thought that, that was something that is very uncharacteristic of the athletic department. Um, the funny thing was, is one of my initial thoughts was like, oh, Greg, Greg Gard's going to – he's on a, the hot seat right now. Uh, <laughs> if this is what we're doing. So, um, yeah, my initial thoughts were shocked. I was – I disagree with the decision. Um, I still kind of do um, in the moment. I obviously, if you guys heard me on quite a bit talking about how I'm a big, I was a big Paul Christ guy. Um, and this move um, really just surprised me that the program went ahead and did this mid season. 
So, yeah, I was pretty surprised uh, when I saw it come out too. And maybe due to you, right? But like to some extent, I am a Paul Christ apologist. I think that he's been pretty successful. And that's the reason I was surprised. Yeah, I. So how I've been describing it to people, and I've been getting really frustrated with a lot of people who have been reaching out. I got must have got 25 texts on Sunday night oh, yeah. uh, asking about my thoughts and this and that. Um, and really anybody who I've talked to who I would describe as like a bigger Badger than Packer fan is kind of in the same boat that I am really surprised, really not happy with, the, you know, the decision um, on a sense. And then I was getting texts from a lot of people um, who I would describe as more Packer fans, um, watch the Badgers, care about the Badgers, are passionate. I'm not trying to discredit their their fandom or anything, but um, they seem to be uh, having a much more different opinion than mine. And I guess ultimately I'm wrong. The AD had the same opinion and he made the decision to do it. So um, I can't really argue against that. But yeah, I was I was frustrated. I, was, I texted Mike and I was said he asked me to come on for a couple minutes. And I said, yeah, I was pretty heated. Um, I don't get it. I just, I think he's won enough games. I think he has enough tenure there um, to be able to sustain that um, and get more rope. Um, But at the same time, people don't want meteorocracy and I don't either. Um, But my, my big worry is I get anxiety that we're going to end up firing a guy for winning 10, nine, eight games Um, still hasn't won less than eight games in a season. Um, and then we end up like Nebraska where we're in hell for 10 years because we fired somebody over consistency, um, searching for something that may be difficult to find. So I guess those are just my initial thoughts kind of all over the place. So my thing with it, so I, I might fall into that camp where I'm more of a Packer fan than a Badger fan. And I'm never the guy that's like, hey, we need to get rid of this guy. Like, I, I get what you're saying. Um, so I'll have two questions here. Do you think he gets fired um, if we beat Washington State earlier in the year? And then on top of that, the the kind of direction you're you're saying, like becoming a Nebraska, it just kind of felt like that was kind of the direction that this season was bringing us in. Um, so that that's kind of what, that's what it felt like to me, like where I was like, uh, I kind of get this firing after the Illinois game. Yeah, I think it's inexcusable. I don't want to make excuses for losing to Washington State and Illinois. I I mean, I, I don't think he gets fired um, after either losses if we compete against Ohio State. So there's a lot of different things. But I think what we've seen um, over the last couple of years is people getting – the program looking stale. And I think I've mentioned it on here the last time that I was a little worried that our program was getting stale in a sense of where maybe we were a seven, eight win team versus a nine, 10 win team that we kind of were. Um, but that's not what Nebraska has been. Nebraska has been three and nine, two and 10. Um, and I think when you look at a program like Wisconsin, who doesn't have uh kind of the recruiting uh, footprint in the state that one wrong move like this could lead to that. And um, I just worry that our, our measuring stick is Ohio state and people who I've talked to is like, look what we did against Ohio state. Look at this. 
more so even than Illinois. And I think um, that that's that's just people that's just an unrealistic expectation. Now, losing to Illinois is unacceptable. I that's it. That not only was it bad, it was embarrassing. We got Mike said he left. I w- I actually did not see or watch the game. I had a wedding that I was attending, um, and I was very thankful that I didn't have to sit in the stands for that one. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I just really worry that chasing something that may be unattainable, um, is going to lead us into, you know, very low mediocrity or even lower, but I, I've, I've had some good conversations with people about just not, am I too worried about losing 10 game or 10 games a year that I don't look at our program in a way that can win. And I don't want to sound like that. I think there's some realistic things. If you look at Wisconsin, I mean, we've won 11 games, I think three times. Uh, so I think Paul Chris set the bar really high for the first four years. And then it came back to kind of bite him in the ass in the end. And um, I do like him as a coach and, um, like, you know, he's great to the players. He's a great in that locker room, which has come out that the players are pissed at this decision. Um, but if the athletic department is is trying to move and and say that they're not going to settle with mediocrity, I'm curious what other decisions may be coming down the pike with NIL. I, I texted somebody and I said, if this happens and these academic exemptions for high profile recruits don't like what are we really doing here? Um, so maybe a decision like this is going to lead to some of that. Um, I do think Jim Leonard being there pushed the needle on this a little bit. Everything I've read is that the athletic department is obsessed with him. And as is most of the fan base, my favorite player, I think he's a hell of a coach too. Um, but I'm just kind of, I'm kind of all over. And like, as you can even hear my thoughts, I just, I still can't quite describe why it happened. I just, I think it's incredibly uncharacteristic but i can talk about some reasons why i think in-season fires firings are happening all based on recruiting um aspects yeah and i so i think jim leonard took that leash and just shortened it way up Mm -hmm. right because because we see him as a dominant defensive coordinator which is i think really accurate then we see that Oh, he can be the head coach easily. And I don't know that that transition happens as smoothly as everyone thinks it does. Yeah. And I, I just curious who people want us to be. Um, if the measuring stick is Ohio state and like losing to Illinois cannot happen, but I haven't heard people really bring that up. All I've heard is how we got our shit kicked in by Ohio state and how we weren't even close. And if that's the measuring, like, Look at Michigan. They've had a lot of down years since Paul Chris. They've only beaten Ohio State once. Penn State, same thing. Michigan State, same thing. Um, any team that you list in the Big Ten. So I just worry that it's just some unrealistic expectations. But I get it when people say that they're sick of, of mediocrity and they get on me about the floor that I think our program has. Um but I just think that people see what those five schools that we, you know, that are recruiting high, that have a chance to win national championships, um, and they think we should be there. That's great. Um, but I just think our program is built different in a lot of different ways. And I hear a lot of people say, like, they're comfortable with the what the Packers do, which is have a really high floor, right? Yep. And their ceiling has not been reached 
in 10 years now, right? Or 11, whatever it is. And they're fine with that, but they're not okay with just winning a lot of games in Wisconsin. And I'm not sure I completely understand the difference because when we look at college football, they're like, yeah, there's more access to good players, right? Like you don't have to have the contracts and like things can move around a little bit more fluidly, but it's still, you know, 10 teams that run the show. Yep. And I think, so that's one thing I do. Like I, I do think it was bad in certain standpoints that it had, we haven't really seen in years past with eight, not eight, seven, eight wins um, penalty. Like we were beating ourselves with penalties and undisciplined football. And we've had turnovers under Chris with Hornybrook and, and with Mertz. Um, but we haven't had games of 10 penalties, Washington state. We lost that game because of penalties, um, Illinois, I mean, we had two rushing yards and what a hundred some yards of penalties. Like that's, that's where I think things look different than last year, or even the COVID year where it was, it was undisciplined football, which is what, if you're going to be Paul Christ, you, you can't have those things happen. That's why you're there is to eliminate those things. Um, yeah. That's head coach's job, right? Yeah. And he's done a good job of that. And this it wasn't happening this year and the team, like looked really bad. It's not good when you say we got to draw a line in the sand and then you go give up 24 unanswered points to Illinois. That's at half, like he said that at halftime. And when the team responds by showing nothing, that's, that's tough. Yeah. They kind of yeah. came in and just beat us at our own game, which I think that's in, I mean, rightfully so the coach that they had was a guy who, came from playing our same game as everyone knows Brett Bielen was taking the coach but yeah you're right so we had three turnovers and then just undisciplined football 78 penalty yards yeah yeah that's that's exactly um what I've heard from a lot of like national college football prop podcasts that talk about that is we were the Big Ten West was out Wisconsin in Wisconsin the last three years and that's that's been the case and that's been documented so, yeah, I mean, if we're getting into like the actual game against Illinois, I mean, so I want to say on two drives, they gave him eight downs to score from essentially the one and uh, stop. I think they stopped him inside the five twice and then like a pass interference or a defensive holding or something like that puts him on the one and DeVito has three rushing touchdowns from the one yard line. You know, like, and mostly penalties put them on the one. They have that botched kick that just, like, when you need something to happen offensively and you give the ball right back to them. Like, these are things that I get that that's an error on a player, but the coaching puts the emphasis on when those things need to be, like, rock solid, right? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, those are just things that can't happen, and it it doesn't help for the pro Paul Christ team that that that's happened twice this year to teams that we should beat, and when we competed against the big dogs, we looked like a JV football team. So, so it is. Yeah. So, what do you see as the positive 
moving forward from Christ to Leonard? Um, so I don't obviously know anything. I don't talk to anybody, but I think what this shows a little bit too, is that Jimmy was looking. Um, I think that Jim Leonard was probably going to be a top candidate for, um, either schools that are currently open schools that were coming open a school like Nebraska, I think may have been, uh, sniffing around hard, um, or maybe in, you know, showing signs that they wanted to you know, to really look at him and that just is going to increase his profile. So I think maybe his clock as our defensive coordinator was clicking or kicking, ticking. Um, and we were able to to make a decision based off of poor play that may help us keep a guy that we've wanted, I think, all along. And I don't think even myself as a pro, pro, uh, pro Paul Chris guy, I didn't want to lose Jimmy and it would have been hard to lose Jim Leonard um, after going eight and four or whatever, have, you know, another eight and seven win season to lose our best coaching asset. That would have been very difficult to swallow. And I think this allowed them. It's not an, like not an excuse to do it. There's can't lose to Illinois. Can't lose to Washington state. Um, But I think it just, accelerated the process because I think he might be getting offers. So I think a big pro is we get to keep the beloved son uh, of Wisconsin. Um, And I think that the way Paul Chris operated with relationships amongst his coaching staff um, really limited our options to expand to what I think we all kind of want to see from things like our offense, things like recruiting, um, energy swagger you know youthfulness i would say in the in the program i think jimmy could bring a lot of that with just some changes but um can i just riff here for a second i'm a little worried that jimmy keeps it the same even next year um with a lot of the coaches you know bobby ingram's new we have a pretty decent wide receivers coach you know good solid tenured um offensive line coach and if we switch nothing up on defense or on offense why did we fire Paul Chris? Is kind of what I'm saying. So I, I kind of hope to see a pretty big overhaul um, with some of that offensive staff, even though I do like a lot of the coaches. I like their values. Um, but they haven't been able to recruit and put in the talent that we need to be a successful offense. Even on the offensive line where we've recruited well, the development hasn't been there. So um, yeah, looking at a lot of that, I, I hope there's that. I think our defensive staff, is going to be very similar. I'm pretty sure um, there's going to be some just promotions within that staff versus um, finding new people, but just kind of a full, you know, rededication to the offense from a different perspective, I think could happen out of this too. Yeah. Do you think that um, we were running a Paul Christ offense or an Ingram offense this currently so far, first four games of the season, five games of the season? Um, I think that's, I think it's still very Paul Chris. I think Bobby Ingram definitely brought in some probably NFL concepts, but we run a pro style offense. So there's probably some stuff that um, aligned, um, but I think our offense is more complicated. Um, and you can see that with, I think just a lack of success. There's schools all over the country that break it down and simplify their offense. And you look at a team like Purdue who just whips it around the field. We got better players than Purdue. I, they have a great offense of scheme, which allows players to get open, quick, easy decisions, um, where the complications, the progressions and things like that for 
a place that doesn't recruit elite level quarterbacks um, makes it more difficult. So I think that I think the Paul Chris offense was still very visible this year. I didn't see anything different. I got one right. last. I got one last question from from me at least. I know Mike's got something more, but do you think with losing Paul Chris, we're going to lose any players along with Paul Chris that would be mad enough to get out and go? Um, I think having an internal promotion helps that. I think especially um, with a guy like Jim Leonard. I know that. Um, a lot of the defensive recruits and things like that have said that they're fine. They're staying as long as Jim Leonard's there. I think there hasn't been any sort of wavering um, from a recruiting standpoint, um, which is pretty shocking. Um, but I think in the locker room, I'm very curious about that. People don't talk enough about how much dedication and relationships Paul Chris had with his players and how much they just respected him and people He's terrible. It was terrible in press conferences, was terrible all over, but it, the kids on that program really liked him. And you can see that with a lot of the stuff that's come out. So that's, that makes me very curious. Um, I, it just all depends on how things shake out. I don't really know until the season's over. I don't think we'll see any um, mid season um, transfers, but there may be some people on offense. I mean, shoot, Graham Mertz could go uh, because the new, if a new staff comes in and, they're going to be looking to bring in transfer quarterbacks. They're going to be looking to bring in quarterbacks maybe they've had in previous programs. Um, is that a hit? I don't. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's. I mean, I'm sure we could lose players. I don't anticipate losing anybody on the offensive line, um, and I don't anticipate losing a player like Braylon Allen, who's dedicated to the the program. So that was my biggest fear. Well, <laughs> and it and it sounds like that Braylon Allen was recruited by Jim Leonard though, right. As a safety. Yeah. So they that's probably really a plus. Um, and I think when it comes to recruiting, the head coach matters, but what happens to teams when they lose a head coach is all their position coaches that recruited them the hardest they spent the most time with um, those people lose their jobs. And I think that's what I don't want people to lose their jobs, but I don't, I don't want the same offense back. So I hope, I hope we don't um, make this move. And then in 2023, bring back the entire offensive staff. I think there's certain position coaches that could be back. Um, but to me, it doesn't make sense to make this move and then just bring the same people back. What, what's the difference? What's the change? The same complacency staleness could be there with those people too. So. Yeah. Right. I mean, so obviously we have, I guess something that, that I can see as a positive moving forward is that um, everybody on that offensive side of the coaching staff understands that their jobs could be gone pretty dang quick, especially if like you're talking like that, that that's going to be kind of the attitude most people have is step up the offense, do something different. So they might be willing to not be complacent for the, at least the rest of the year. And we can get some, you know, wrink, new wrinkles into our, into our offensive scheme. Yeah. Yeah. So Andy, we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you uh, giving us your breakdown and like your opinion on how things kind of shook out down there. 
Um, you are definitely the most plugged in of the, of the people we got. So we really appreciate it. You might be the most plugged in Badgers fan I've ever met or probably will ever meet. So we really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. I'm going to, I'm going to share a story. I texted somebody and I was like, the thing with like, I was texting with somebody who's a pretty big Badger fan, but I said, if this goes wrong and we're bad in five years and we're losing 10 games a year, you're going to just shut the TV off. And I'm going to be sitting in section a row 39, freezing my ass off in November longing for the taste of Christ. So that's my big, because <laughs> yeah. I don't want to freeze and lose. That's not as fun. So thanks guys. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. Yeah. Dang, that worked out well. Uh, that was our Badger expert there, Andy. So like Mike was saying at the end of the interview, our most plugged in guy. But do you got any final thoughts about that Badger game that you get to sit through, Mike? Uh, so the thing that I noticed the most is the offense did not appear ready to play football in a, on a lot of plays, right? And I mean, I guess the momentum started to slide right away with a couple of picks and a botch kick and um, things just weren't going the Badgers way. But to some extent, like you got to be ready. You got to even on, I think it was the first touchdown thrown to uh, Granado, Garanato, what uh, the uh, backup running back, yeah. one of the backup running backs. Isaac. He gets a touchdown. Yeah, he gets a touchdown thrown to him, right? He during that play, he's running off the field to go to the sideline. They wave him back onto the field and then he goes and catches that touchdown. So like that was probably a play designed for him. And like he didn't know that he was in that package. And that's a communication issue. And I think with something like that, that comes down to coaching. Now, is it top-down coaching or is it your offensive coordinators? I'm not sure, but a piece of it is definitely coaching there. So I don't know that I agree with the firing, but I think with, with Jim Leonard being there and you having what you feel is a competent backup to be a head coach, that leash just got shows so short that you couldn't, you couldn't adjust in another way. Yeah, and I think uh, Andy touched it pretty good, but I, I do think personally not being as plugged in, like uh, just looking at it, I just feel like guys are probably going to want to come for and play for a guy like Jim Leonard more so than a guy like Paul Chris. So I think if he's not getting the job done recruiting, I think at a bare minimum, Jim Leonard – just by appearance and being a young guy that's played in the NFL is going to get, you know, some people like, I bet you safety, you know, safeties are going to be looking at us like, Oh, this guy that could dunk in college is uh, (laughs) our head coach. Now he must be pretty cool. So let's go play with him. But then my other takeaway from this game, people are shitting on it real bad which rightfully so but i do think illinois is just a better team than they've been in the past few years and i mean they just came and jammed it down wisconsin's throat and i don't think wisconsin was ready for that because even us in our pregame 
uh, not to pump our tires too much, but I, I was thinking like just doing the research on this game. I was like, this game is more scary than it looks. It's not your normal Illinois team coming to town to play us with a 10 year tenured quarterback and Tommy DeVito getting three touchdowns on us. And then their boy, Chase Brown being the leading rusher in the, the whole entire country, you know, it, it's not that bad of a team. So I think the loss looks a lot worse, but whatever. I'm not too disappointed that Chris is out and it is because of this loss. It isn't because of the Ohio state loss. It's, it's just looking like there's going to be a team like Andy said, playing Wisconsin football better than Wisconsin here in the near future. And if they can grasp on what's making them do that, we might get pushed down to being Illinois. And I think we're grasping for something to, to try not to be that team. Right. Yep. And I think I'm not, I'm not happy that Chris lost his job. I think that that's not ideal. Um, but I am happy that Jim Leonard is the head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. I think in the long term, that's something I wanted, right? I didn't want it this year or next year and then probably next two or three, but it was something that I wanted to happen long term. When Paul Chris decided to hang it up, I wanted Jim Leonard to take over. And so I guess that might have not have been a real option had we waited. Well, I mean, it might have happened like it happened to us last time when we got rid well, when Bielma kind of hot ship on us and we wanted yeah. Paul Crisp to be the guy, but he got the job in Pittsburgh. And then he already had the job in Pittsburgh when uh Bielema leaves. So then we can't just steal him right back from Pittsburgh, which we ended up kind of doing, but I mean it 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 gets yeah. to the point four years faster. down the road, right? Yeah, it gets to the point yeah. faster. But that yeah. will wrap up our Badgers breakdown to the week, and we will head in from a pretty bad week to in the Packer game, a pretty, I would say, mediocre week. Uh, so the Packers squeaked this one out, as all of our fans probably know here, 27 to 24. Um, had a pretty boring first half with, I guess, or an overtime win is always exciting, but. So what did you think about this game, Mike? I mean, so um, I guess it was kind of what I expected is Belichick to scheme some stuff up that makes his offense look really good, makes his defense look really good, and just created problems for the Packers. Um, They get a pick six right at the end of the half that kind of puts – I think it puts them up 14 to 10, which – Kind of seven. At that point, 10 to seven, um, which kind of made me like bristle. Like I didn't know what to think at that point. I was, uh, I was a little nervous. That's something that Aaron Rodgers just never does is give up a, a play like that. And I don't know if that's coaching or if that was just instinct on that guy. Right. He's a, he's a rookie. Looks like he's a pretty good player. Um, The scripted plays that, the Patriots had looked pretty good against the Packers defense. That feels fairly consistent is that the Packers defense doesn't look great early and then um, settles in. It, yeah. It's, not really. it's 
slowly gotten better. Like against the Vikings, give up a touchdown opening drive. Against the Bears, give up a touchdown opening drive. Against the Bucks, give a field goal opening drive. But the Bucks looked like they were humming down the field. The Patriots this time looked like they're humming down the field. But yeah, that's a good point. You, they, they kind of been settling in a little better. Yeah, um, and I guess if you're gonna just give up, if you're gonna give up seven on the first drive, and I need to like kind of understand that as a fan, I can deal with that as long as you're willing to buckle down later in the later in the games, which against the Bucks and against the um, Bears, they definitely did. The other two, eh, you know. But you give up, you only give up uh, 17 to the Bucks, which is okay, you know, because you have that pick six in there. That is what it is, I guess. Um, uh, Amos going down with a concussion, yeah. I think really hurts. I think really hurts your defense. That's a, a, a losing a player like that is hard to adjust to. And I think our safety spot on defense is probably our thinnest, thinnest spot. Right. That's the space that is toughest to overcome. We were missing. So at that point, we're missing Adrian Amos and Alexander from our um, defensive backfield. I mean, I get that the Patriots are not this high powered offense, but that still matters. Right. So it's tougher to win without your best players on the field. Those are two of our best back end defenders for sure. Um, And so. And then you're seeing a guy for the first time, right? So there's no tape on Zappy. Looks looks like the real deal. Looks like he can play a little bit. But as defenses kind of see tape on him and what he does, that will all be settled out later. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Is I mean, we didn't get to see who who we were planning for, but Hoyer was five for six before he went down. But I mean yep. If a quarterback was going to get hurt, it was going to be in this game. Like the Packers were definitely getting after the quarterback in this one, which which was great. And if honestly, if you look at the box score, it just looks like we should have just rolled them. Because I mean, Lazard had 116 yards receiving, Jones had 110 yards rushing, Dylan had 73 yards rushing. So yeah. I mean, to me, watching the game, though, it, like we're still definitely missing something in the passing game. Um, we're running the shit out of the ball, though. Our defense is nasty. Like, they're going to be a team that's going to hurt quarterback. I mean, obviously, you don't want to see a guy yeah. go down with concussion, but they're going to be hitting guys hard in the backfield, which they did. Um, Mike's call at uh, Gary being that guy. Sure, <laughs> sure. I mean, not that I was that bold, but man almighty, he just looks nasty. Yep, and he's on pace for 21 sacks this year. I think he's got five currently, which is really – I think the record's 22. I think Watt said it last year with 22. But um, that's that's crazy, like really good, because I don't think he got one against the Vikings. Um. Anyway – uh, our touchdowns Watson gets the first touchdown with a, with a run, like a wide receiver, a jet sweep type. And yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, Tunyon gets our second one over the middle. It reminded me of another play that I had seen a few years ago with Tunyon that maybe we've run that play just kind of 
a lot and that's a that's a thing that we do but i it just looked like a play is from from his past and then uh yeah then we had a crosby kick and then that back shoulder romeo dobbs yeah to dobbs um dobbs is our other touchdown and then i think everybody says like lafleur panicked and did crazy stuff and maybe he did panic a little bit i can see why that's called incomplete on the on the one like right on it must have been fourth down when he drops that i think too yeah no i'm something like that i'm going into my memory here real quick but to me that definitely did not look like a catch right that's what you're saying like it shouldn't have been challenged it yeah it shouldn't have been cha- so i think it doesn't look like a catch to us because everything we've seen is um, uh, Bryant, right? Yeah, Bryant from the yeah. Cowboys or um, Calvin Johnson. Johnson. But that's not, yeah. But that's not the actual rule with um, a catch in the end zone. So, like securing the ball, putting two feet down, that's the ball's dead right there, right? So we haven't been accustomed to seeing it like that. However, in like, I wouldn't have ever, like if I was the official, I'm terrible official, by the way. So I would never even want to do it, but, um, I would have called it incomplete too. Like I'm not, uh, my wife and I were both sitting here yelling at Lafleur for wasting that time out in that moment. Um, cause I don't think there was any way you were going to overturn it for sure. Right. So maybe if it's called a catch, you know, you might be able to get it overturned into an incomplete pass but I don't think you were going to overturn it into a catch, but I, I, I could guess, see the argument for it being a catch because the two hand, he's got the hands on it, two feet go down and that should be the end of the play right there. You see, I just, don't. I get, I get where you're at with it too. Like I did, I'm trying to justify like why he did that. No. And I, even the people I was watching the game with, we're saying the same thing. Like it is one of those ones that is going to be confusing for everybody. But like you said, like we've seen in the past and my understanding of the rule is you just got to maintain possession throughout the, the entirety of that catch. And I think that's rightfully so. Like, I don't think you can catch the ball, get simultaneously jacked up, like within less than a second and drop the ball and, Say, well, I had it for, you know, the, which this one was no, going to be you. in more of a gray yeah. area, but I don't know. I, I, I think it was this, definitely less than a second. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was very accepting of that not being a touchdown pretty quick. Um, but yeah. I like mean, I the, said, we were yelling at the TV about how he wasted a timeout in a yeah. game where a timeout would have been pretty valuable. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, definitely not the best Packers performance. And I don't want to say this is like reminiscent of last year with the special teams issues that we were having, where we're just like, hey, I mean, we have issues here, um, but they're going to figure themselves out. They're going to figure themselves out. They're going to figure themselves out. I really do think the Packers are going to figure this thing out, but I'm also a wishful thinker and a hardcore Packers optimist. Um, I truly, I'm not even like saying 
this to be like funny and too optimistic. I, I really think the Packers have like a great shot at winning the Super Bowl every single year that Rodgers has been there, besides maybe two or three with our defense being just trash. And even with that, I'm like, well, we got Aaron Rodgers. So, so this, but this, yep. this year, just the defense. Sure. We gave up 24 points in new England. Um, didn't really stop the run. Like you would hope. So I'm going to pull up the stats here, but it, it felt like at least I haven't looked at the team stats yet, but that they were, they were running on us pretty good. And they did run for one. did feel that way. Yeah. They ran for 167 against us. And they threw for only 104. But, I mean, they kept it within a field goal with their third-string quarterback, which, yep, you know, that's that's not great. But, but we got the win. We're 3-1. and one. Got a pretty easy schedule coming up here. Um, so our measuring stick game was, I feel like, against Tampa. I don't like to say the Packers got lucky, but I do feel like we got pretty fortunate with uh, Tampa's receiver luck in our game, kind of leveling the playing ground in uh, in the wide receiver score department there. But yeah, next on the table, we got New York, New York. So Giants, Jets, Washington, and then we get to Buffalo in Buffalo, which I think... I mean, we we got plenty of time to tune up these receivers. Uh, I'm still curious, like, where DeGuara has been. Like, I kind of felt like he was going to be a guy that was going to help us out. But it doesn't seem like I've seen much of DeGuara this year. No, and, like, I mean, I haven't seen much of him, and I've seen a lot more of uh, Davis, which surprises me. I, I never really feel like he's going to dominate in the tight end area, but what do I know? Um, I do think that like Cobb looks really good. You know, when he's getting the ball, like things look really good for Cobb. Um, I think Watson and Dobbs, their biggest issue is that they're kind of in their head about catching, catching balls. Right. So Dobbs, that one, that's a caught ball. All you got to do is hold on to it. I think that's a veteran move is to be able to hold on to that ball. And then I don't know, like we need to start being able to get Watts in the ball in space. He's yeah. electric, right? He's super athletic, like can do things well. Like you see that with the rushing TD. Yeah. Maybe that... don't try to throw the bomb to him all the time and throw him something that's four yards instead of 84 yards. Yeah, and let him work. Yeah, he walked that. That I mean, it looked like guys were walking after him. Like how how good of a head of steam he had going in to score that touchdown. But I guess my big takeaway from the game is, yeah, uh, we need to work on those receivers. And three and one is three and one, um, and I'll take it. And we got some games we can definitely tune tune some up or get tuned up for, and then we got a real measuring stick in Buffalo before we get the playoffs. So I, I just like the way our schedule looks, I guess is, is my thing. It, it seems like we got a nice flow. 
what you yeah, got. I, th- I think that uh, I'm, I, I like the schedule moving forward. I think the giants and the jets are better than we think. Um, I don't know that I think the commanders are better than we think. And then the bills, if they're not the best team in the league, they're in the top three. And so that this will be a really good measuring stick of what's going to, what's going to happen here. So. All right. You ready to move on to the bing bongs? All right, yes, we will sir. roll into the bang bong. So Mike named the episode himself that he was going to be fading me this week, and that did not work out well for Mike. Um, I wish I would have took down the totals before the week, but I should just be able to do simple math. So Mike was up 400 bing bongs, or he was positive 400 bing bongs before this week, and I was down 960. Mike loses 610 bing bongs going five and 11 and I go 11 and five and just light the world on fire. And I was plus 650, 650 bing bongs for the week. Um, but I take that back. Mike was, uh, six and 11 and I was 12 in 11. So Mike is now down, down. He's in the red and bing bongs down to negative 210. And I am down to negative. Oh, you said you adjusted it. Yeah. Negative 310. So Mike's 10 K is he, you better start jogging here soon. It's, it's looking like we actually have a fight this week or <laughs> this year, Mike, you're not running away. That's good. That's good. <laughs> that's what you were. I should have just. I should have just copied your picks all the rest of the year. So I mean, you still. And can. I would No, I don't want it now. I did <laughs> now. It's not enough big enough lead. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I think we kind of talked about it a little bit in the past that we think that there are ebbs and flows when it comes to gambling like this. Um, the guys that can avoid the big ebbs uh, so i'm in a in a really low spot right now if you can avoid those really low spots you're going to be a pretty good gambler and um right now pat's running on a heater and so hopefully he keeps that going just lower than me just a little bit lower than me for the rest of the season hopefully i'll turn it around here and it'll be all you know top troughs from here on out yeah, and crests, I think they are. Yeah. Okay, I like it. Crests, crests, and you're going with the wave analogy there. Okay. Yeah, crests oh. and uh, troughs, I think is what I think. Yeah, we'll say that's good. Troughs and ridges is what it is in weather. So, so I'm on a ridge. All right, there a, you go. You're in a trough, but we'll yeah. run through just kind of what we're doing real quick if we are getting any new listeners. So we bet uh on the games and we'll just do long story short right here loser of our bet at the end of the year is going to have to sign up for a 10k and while doing this 10k they have to shotgun a sun drop before they start the run they have to wear a shirt that the winner chooses that uh that they wear so i might could make me 
wear a shirt that says smile if you like it in the butt or something like that or anything. So an embarrassing shirt. And then after the run, they're going to have to do a shoey, which is pouring a beer into your shoe and chugging it and then smoke three cigarettes right after the run within within five minutes of finishing. Well, you got to start the beer and whatever you got to start the process within five minutes of finishing the race. And I think, I think there's a stipulation. You have to try to get your best time too. You can't just walk this thing. Uh, yeah, I won't walk it. I'll run at the very least, but I, I mean, so my best times are I'm sure behind me. Yeah, no, I, I'm not saying you gotta break a certain amount of time and then you get anything off um, or anything like that, but you, you got to be sweating. Your shoes got to be nasty by the time that you, <laughs> by the time that you're doing the shoey. Uh, yeah, my shoes are going to be nasty one way or the other, so it it won't matter. Once I put my feet in them, they're not they're not very good anymore. All right, and we All right, are- let's get into the game. Kind of quick breakdowns here, and we'll start rolling through Dolphins Bengals. I think the big storyline here is Tua, right? appeared to go out on Sunday with a head injury and then does for sure go out with a head injury on Thursday night. Um, we didn't discuss this at all, right? No, the, no, no. We, one. we, we missed that for sure. We just thought it was so, a trap game. And I mean, that was right. a reason why I thought it was a trap game, but it wasn't, wasn't said. So no, it wasn't stated. Yeah. I just want to touch on this real quick. Um, even if so like there is a real possibility that the dolphins and the doctor and the NFL and the players association did absolutely nothing wrong, putting him back in that first game. That's a possibility. I think this makes it look really, really bad, but he could have ended up with that head injury had nothing happened to him on Sunday. Yeah, no, that's I, possible. I mean, it doesn't seem like that's the case, right? I get that that doesn't seem like that's the case. It is possible that that's the case, though. Yeah, no, I mean, it, just a nasty injury. Um, but even other than the injury, I think it, the Bengals are kind of a better team than what they've been playing so far this year. And the Dolphins were hot. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, the big takeaway is definitely what happened to Tua, but. The next takeaway I would say is the Bengals are still a decent team, which I don't think you need to be a genius to figure that out if they made it to the Super Bowl last year and they didn't really lose that many pieces making it there. Right. They actually appear to have added pieces like to their offensive line and things like that. So, yeah. All right. So we are the Packer game. So next game we are going to roll into was the Vikings at the Saints while they were in London. Um, early morning game, Vikings squeaked this one out 28 to 25 on a game winning field goal, I want to say, at the end of the game. A game missed. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. A missed game tying field goal. So uh, hits the crossbar or something, right? Or not the crossbar, but the upright. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Saints and Vikings, they look like similar teams. I mean, playing in London's always tough. So I think that those games are kind of hard to measure whether the team is good or bad because 
being able to adjust and play well overseas is, is something that of a challenge, I think. Yeah. And I, you said it best there. I think those teams are fairly on par with each other. Whereas it was a great or a good defense versus a good offense. And the offense yep. ended up pre- prevailing in that game. Uh, next game we have is the Browns at the Falcons. I think I might start calling these guys my Falcons because I just love the way they play, but uh, the Falcons are just that feisty team. I think they're going to win a couple more games than we initially thought at the beginning of the season. And I think it's just because the way they can scheme stuff up with uh, Mariota and Patterson. I want to say something happened to Patterson in this game, though. Um, I don't know if you know off the top of your head. Uh, that Al Algier, right? So um, and his name isn't. Al Geyer, Al Geyer, like his name is not Al. It's Ty or something like that. Al okay. Geyer is his last name. Uh, he had a bunch of rushing yards this this game. I did notice that. Um, so I'm not really sure if something happened to Patterson or if he was already dinged up coming in. But yeah, Falcons are using, doing well and um, using like the players that they have. Like they're not passing the ball. They got Pitts and that Drake London. And they're not really choosing to throw the ball around too much, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. So the Falcons plays Patterson on the injury reserve Monday, following a procedure. Uh, Scott Bear of the team's official site report. So yeah, he went down okay. in that game. Um, so he'll so, miss four games too. So it'll be interesting to see what they are moving forward. Then. Yeah. I. But yeah, I just think they're a team that accepts that they're not that good, that they're, so they're going to use smoke and mirrors to beat you. And I love when teams do that. So that's that's why I enjoy the Falcons. Uh, next game we had was the Commanders at the Cowboys, and the Cowboys whooped the shit out of the Commanders, twenty-five to ten. Did you have anything there, Mike? So there's a quarterback controversy in Dallas, and that's really all I got. I think that. Uh, I know Jerry Jones said he wanted that, but I don't think he actually does, right? You don't want to be a media circus for like no reason. You don't want conflict inside your locker room, especially when you have a decent team. And it appears they have a decent team. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, they came out and the Bucks just whooped the crap out of them. And I think people wrote them off, like me included. I I was like – on the Cowboys before the year started, they could be like that. But then Cooper Rush um, has just been winning games for them ever since Dak went down. And I guess, like, that's one thing they say, you know, if that's a good problem to have is if your backup quarterback can push your starting quarterback. But right up until Dak has a game that struggles and people start calling for Cooper Rush to go in, that's when that's no longer a good problem. That's true. Yeah. Good point. Good point. I like that. All right. Next game we have is the highest scoring game of the weekend. We have the Seahawks go into Detroit and the Seahawks win 48 to 45. Um, But yeah, the Lions offense uh, looks all right. And the Seahawks, I mean, their defense looks like trash and, yeah, and That's the Lions sure. were missing their uh, their number one wide receiver, so Amon Ross St. Brown didn't play this weekend. So, you know, with something like that, maybe 
game turns out differently. I mean, that's not the way the game was played. So that's kind of how it goes. But I don't think the Lions are necessarily terrible. I do think the Seahawks are kind of a lower team. They're going to be trying to pick off the teams that they think are bad moving forward. Good call. Yeah. Yep. So next game we have is Titans at the Colts. And Derrick Henry got going in this one, kind of dominated it. And the Titans win this one 24 to 17. And I flip-flopped on that pick. I don't know why, because I thought the Colts were going to win. But I guess if the Titans can turn into the Titans of last year, like why why not? You know, they're a good team, I guess. But they well, did they, lose they have weapons. probably the they have the best running back in the league, right? Yeah. I mean, he sure is the most like dominant running back. Yeah. Yeah. And Jonathan Taylor has definitely not looked like the best running back in the league yet this year. So hopefully he gets something going uh, soon. Next, yep. you want to you want to roll down some? Yeah. So uh, next up, we got the Bears versus the Giants. The Giants win this game. Bears at Giants. The Giants win this game, twenty to twelve. Um, I think the Giants are to some extent picking off lesser quality teams, teams that are underperforming against them, aren't showing up for, against them. Like so, the Titans didn't show up in Week One. Um, the Bears are a bad team. They're picking off bad teams. Um, and Justin Fields just isn't able to throw the ball around. Yeah, no, I I think the Bears are a really bad team. And I think the Giants are kind of in that department where they're kind of the doing the smoke and mirrors thing and going to be able to compete with some some guys sometimes. Yep. All right, so next up we got the Jaguars at the Eagles. And the Eagles get down early in this game and then kind of come roaring back. And they look like the wagon that their kind of record reflects. So I think the Eagles are looking good. Um, I think they were down 14 nothing to start this game and came back. So that's a team that yeah, There's going to be something to contend with in the, in the NFC for sure. Definitely a team to watch out for. Uh, Jalen Hurts is playing very well. Um, I don't got his stats up in this game, but even if he didn't have a good game this game, uh, he's he's looking good. That offense looks pretty dynamic, and their defense is pretty damn good too. So, yeah, I think they're going to be tough because they can control the clock and they can play some defense. So. Good there. All right. Next up, we got the Jets at the Steelers. And in this game, I just mentioned that the Steelers would find a way to win, uh, having faith in Mike Tomlin, and the Jets would find a way to lose, not having faith in the organization that has been the Jets for the last, I don't know, I shouldn't say 30 years, but yeah, really. I mean, they've been mostly bad for 30 years. Um, The exact opposite of that happened. So, the Steelers found a way to lose lose it, and the Jets found a way to win it. So it's kind of kind of neat, I guess. Yeah, not for little, my Bing Bong count, but no, a little backwards. And yeah, no, I mean that's kind of one of the games where I just had a wild hair that the Steelers weren't gonna pan out in that one. Something smelled funny to me. 
Uh, next game we have was the Bills minus three and a half at the Ravens and the Bills win by three. Um, so right on the spread line there. Um, I don't got too much for this one, uh, but two good teams going at it. And I think the better team ended up winning. Yeah. So I think the Bills and the Ravens are two of the better teams in the AFC. And I think the Ravens are having some real issues closing games right now. Um, that same thing happened with the Dolphins. They lost that game late. This is a game they lose late. Um, when you were kind of in the driver's seat with about three minutes to go. So yeah. Just yeah. And they lost on something last, they need to lock up. Last second field goal. But yeah, the Bills score. Damn, that's even more than I thought. So they scored 20 unanswered points to come back and win this game. So oh really? Holy cow. I didn't realize that either. Yeah, yep. They were down 10 to 20. So yeah, no, actually 13 on or yeah, 10 to 20. Okay. My my math isn't good, but they they were down even more than that. So they came back 20 unanswered, we will say. Don't fact check us. Yeah. Um no. Yeah, whatever. It don't matter. Uh so <laughs> I'm a little confused here. That's all right. That was all my right. So now Nope, we're moving on to the Chargers, minus five at the Texans. Um, Chargers win this one 34-24. I am confused about both of these teams. I feel like the Texans are should be slightly better than what I give them credit for and the Chargers slightly worse than what I give them credit for. But this yeah. is one that I did not pay a lot of attention to either this weekend. So Yeah, all I know is Austin Eckler had a hell of a game. Um in the touchdowns. That's about part. time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's about time. He's uh, he's had a rough start to the season. Yeah, and I mean, it looks like, so he had like 109 total total yards, but three three touchdowns. Herbert goes off for 340 yards, two touchdowns. So he looked good. But yeah, Mike, good call. Those, those two teams are kind of hard to put a finger on who they're going to be going into in two weeks uh next game we have is cardinals at the panthers and the cardinals win this game 26 to 16 i slurped up a double dog with this one but i i think that's another well the cardinals is another team here that we just can't tell who they're going to be yet uh that's the first time i've been on the right side in a cardinals game all year because they've just been flip-flopping on me. But it does look like they're just a better team than the Panthers, and the Panthers are going to struggle throughout this year is my takeaway from it, at least. Yeah, the Panthers Panthers look like low-hanging fruit, right? That they're the team that bad teams want to go in and beat. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think the Cardinals are an okay team. So, so they ended up beating the crap out of them. And then we're going to head over to the AFC West where the Broncos were at the Raiders. Raiders were minus two and a half, uh, which I think kind of was a game that the line smelled funky on. Uh, I don't know how to explain why I thought that, but Mike and I both were on the right side of this one. The Raiders win this game 32 to 23. Um, Jacobs 
runs the ball 28 times for 144 yards and two touchdowns. So they kind of dominated the ball on the ground. Um, they were due for a win. It was a desperate team versus a team that should have been desperate, but wasn't quite as desperate. So what are you going to do there? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Broncos don't look great. Yeah. I mean, they haven't looked great in any game they've played so far this year. Yeah. No, I definitely think it, I mean, they have Russell Wilson come in, which you think that's just going to be like an instant click, um, which it just hasn't been yet. I do think something's going to click with the Broncos. I do think the AFC West, and maybe I won't give them that there's still the, like the, like we claimed before the season started that they're the best team in the, uh, or the best yeah, conference yeah, division. in division. the NFL. And, but yeah, I, I just think when you get it, divisional games in, in the AFC West this year, it's going to be tough to tell which way that game's going to go. Um, yep. But that being said, we have the chiefs minus two and a half at the bucks and the chiefs win. 41 to 31 and put the bucks down. Um, Chiefs are a good team. <laughs> what else can you say? Patrick Mahomes, one play in that game is, was amazing. Um, I was going to say it looked Brett Favre-esque, but like it looked better than Brett Favre-esque, but the, the creativeness of, I mean, he beats, he beats a DN down you know outside does a spin move and still has a presence of mind it looked like you know he ran the ball for five yards but just still knowing he's behind the line of scrimmage there and kind of flicking that one into the end zone was was pretty phenomenal yeah i mean chiefs i think the chiefs and bills are like the teams in the AFC. And then right now it looks like the Eagles are the team in the NFC. And so those are pieces that look dominant currently. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Like right now, those, like if the playoffs started right now, those teams would be the nastiest ones um, to play against. Uh, But like we know the season goes on, teams start humming. And we'll see where it is at the end of the year. I can't see the Chiefs or the Bills being out of that department. Uh, the Eagles, it doesn't look like they'll be out of it, but I think there'll be some strong contenders in the NFC to kind of close that gap with the Eagles, name the Packers. Um, and I, I would agree with that. I think like the 49ers have a good chance to do that. Um, even like the Cardinals. Rams, both those teams could do it. Like they don't look like those teams right now, but we've seen in years past that they have been those teams, right? Bucks and they're in the same boat. Their offense looks stagnant, but if you get Godwin back, you get Julio Jones back, and you have Mike Evans playing every week, like maybe all of a sudden their offense looks really, really good. Yeah. And, and the teams you mentioned too are kind of built for playoff football with with good defenses. Um, I, I don't recall all the teams that you mentioned, but like the Packers, the Bucks, the 49ers, 
are just teams that can run the ball well and, you know, beat you on a cold December day. Um, but we will wrap this week up with the Rams at the 49ers. 49ers were minus two and a half, and they go out and beat the Rams like they stole something from them. The 49ers win this one 24 to nine. Uh, Garoppolo has a pretty good game there. Debo Samuel has a great game there. Guy's just a monster. And then this uh, Wilson Jr. I don't know. I haven't heard much about him. Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson Jr.'s he's a back he was a backup running back to that Elijah Mitchell. So he's he's the premier running back in the 49ers offense right now. Yeah, but yeah, he had a good game too. So 49ers just dominate the Rams. And that that's one thing I will say is I would combat a little bit against the Rams being that good of a team at the end of the season this year, but I've been wrong before, but to me, for some reason, I just don't see it this year. I can't remember who I picked to win the AFC West, but I do think it was the Rams. Yeah, it was either the Rams or the Cardinals. NFC, yeah. The NFC West. Yeah, but it don't matter. I mean, but I can't remember who I – I probably took the Seahawks. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In true fashion. So we will wrap this show up with some – Thursday night thunder and I have to get to the spread here. So it's Colts at Broncos. Denver is minus three. Oof. Me first time seeing that line. I am going to say, man, these are two teams that I was picking to win the division. Um, <laughs> And that just been kind of not good. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to let you go first. All right. So um, I saw the line maybe, I don't know, 10 minutes before you, and I still haven't been able to make a decision on it. Uh, I'm just going to fly off the seat of my pants on the team that, God, for some reason, I don't want to pick either of these teams. Can I call a push? Yeah, I mean, that's bold. Right on the nose. Yeah, that's super bold. Actually, I'm going to go against my better instinct, and I'm going to take the Colts. I think I'm leaning Denver, so I'm taking the Colts to get myself out of my trough. I'm going to go right with you. I'm going to stick with you, Mike. I'm not going to make it interesting. I'm going to go with the Colts as well. And honestly, for a very similar reason, is because it feels like the Broncos should be winning this game. The Colts just haven't impressed me, but I think their backs are kind of getting to be against the wall. And so the Broncos kind of are too, though. So it's tough. It's a tough game. Yep. Um, the Broncos did lose their starting running back. He tore his oh yeah he knee tore like everything. three things in his yeah. Yeah. So maybe like, but they still have Melvin Gordon back there, who's very, very competent as a running back. He's fumbled yeah. a little bit more often than in the past, but still fairly competent. So, good point. So you just made my me more confident in that pick that I followed you on. 
but yeah, as- so I'm still I'm still not confident. So that should feel good to get me out of this funk that I was in. So yeah, yeah, you're coming back strong this week. So we'll have the rest of our picks on our show on Thursday. We'll be recording. Hopefully, getting that out Friday morning. Hopefully, this is out to you. What day is it today? Wednesday morning. So we're recording on a Tuesday night. Um, but as always, thank you guys for listening. We love you. Pass it to Mike to tell you how to download, subscribe. Yeah, so make sure you're downloading, subscribing on your device, your significant other's devices, your kids' devices, every device that you can find in your home. Do it there. And then uh, if you get a little extra time, you know, one minute, that's all you're going to need. Put that baby on two times speed and on silent. And all those people will never even know that they were a listener of the Banging on the Drum podcast. One day they'll be like, man, this is on here every time. And they'll start listening and they'll love it just like you do. All right. And for for all you suckers that are doubting the Brewers, the Badgers, the Bucks, or the Packers, you can eat our shorts. Roll. Except for the Brewers now. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. All them suckers that doubted the Packers can't eat my shorts. Eat my shorts.